What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Peter Bolden, and our esteemed guest, Dr. August D. Oliveira. Um, good to have you, buddy. It's early in California, so we appreciate you waking up early and doing this for us. Hey, no problem. I'm just going to move to a different part of my house. There's a looks like a lens flare on my face, and I'm not in a Terminator movie. So, <laughs> Well, that, that could actually be pretty cool. You can I kind of like the dynamic, the dynamicness of your post. <laughs> there you go. This is like an episode of Cribs, August. We could actually, you could tell me like all about your different parts of your house. It's a beautiful house. Yeah, yeah, thanks. You, you know, August, I did just post something on Instagram saying how movement actually creates the, uh, a great space for learning and strategy and kind of getting, a, you know, getting your mind right. So that, that, uh, that's a nice parlay in. You just, you just were moving around. There you go. It's probably <laughs> so, the copy. So I met um, August, we were doing a podcast together at Cyril World, and um, it was uh, just kind of a quick impromptu podcast together, and I got a chance to meet you live uh, while being recorded, and I was just, I was laughing my ass off, and I just figured, you know, it, it, was, it was such an informative but humorous podcast. I'm like, if we can get this guy on our podcast, that'd be really fun, so I appreciate you doing this. I'm watching you on Instagram and on Facebook and all the different things you're doing, your digital workflow. And there's so many questions that I have regarding, you know, 3D printing and all that good stuff. So um, if you don't mind, um, can you tell us a little bit of, bit of background, how long you've been practicing, where'd you graduate from and, and your personal sure. private practice? Yeah. So I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, um, kind of grew up there and moved to LA um, shortly after. And I've been in LA ever since. So I've been practicing for about 23 years. And been involved with digital since about 2004. So what is that? 16 years. Um, and uh, yeah, so my practice is I'm a GP, garden variety, and I have definitely a digital component to it and an implant component to it. So. And you're also a key opinion leader for Serona, right? Yeah. I know at the Serona world, you were walking around, you were like, uh, you were like your Serona royalty. Uh, people were like really kind of stumbling around to try to talk to you. So I could recognize that, um, you've been with them a long time and adding a lot of value to that company. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know about that, but, uh, thank you. <laughs> well, it definitely seemed like that. So, um, so tell me, so when did you start getting into 3d printing? When was the first uh, foray into that? It's about three years ago. And I think like most people, there's something in your practice that, um, you know, you want to find a solution for. So um, I was sending a lot of guides out to Serona or milling my own surgical guides and realized that I was spending quite a bit of money, um, you know, anywhere between a grand or two grand a month on surgical guides. And um, there was a lot of guys that were making their own guides for about 25 bucks. So I got involved. I bought a form tube printer and started printing my own surgical guides and quickly realized this was probably just as Smile Direct Club was getting going, that um, I had to compete with patients that were leaving my practice for do-it-yourself dentistry, basically. Um, so I started to make my own aligners and uh. got involved with a company called Exceed. 
Um, and you know, what's it called, August? Sorry, I didn't hear it. Seed Ortho, E X C E E D um, dash ortho.com. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a funny little thing. They're, I think they're set up in Belarus. So, you know, your, you know, aligners, um, are made in a completely different time zone. So it's kind of nice because you send in a case, uh, let's say 10 AM LA time and they get it, work on it overnight. And then you wake up the next day and voila, you have a clean check. You approve the clean check. Uh, a few days later, they give you the STL files for the models. You print them and you make your own aligners. So oh, cool. That is cool. Yeah, about a week turnaround. And um, I got a really good friend, um, Dave Rosen, who had kind of a brilliant kind of marketing <laughs> aspect of it where he advertises same day aligner. So what he does is he scans a patient in the mouth with a Cirac or a Trios or whatever iOS you're using, um, print the model right away. So with the Sprint Ray Pro, I can print a model in about 30 minutes. Um, he prints the model, he does a vacuum form, and he calls that a liner zero. So basically the teeth aren't moving. Oh, that's great. Wearing a retainer of where they are. But I thought that was a cool idea. It is. Because you can tell people, like, we just do this so you can get used to the aligner, how it fits and feels, because it's hard to get used to it and move your teeth at the same time. Yeah. So I think that's brilliant, actually. Super cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, started doing aligners and then realized there was other aspects of 3D printing that I wanted to get into. Um, One thing is implant analog models. So I don't know how you guys do it, but I'm kind of cheap. And so I would take an impression, the lab would buy the analog, and then my assistants would dig the analogs out of the stone model. What I quickly found out though, with printed 3D implant analog models, you can reuse the analogs. They literally have a screw at the base. So we do a lot of implant restorations. So that became another aspect of my practice where I could send a design out to a number of designers all over the world. Um, I could send out my restoration to a milling center. Um, They'd mill and center my restoration. And then I could print the 3D model and check the contacts. I could glue the crown to the tie base. So cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome. So only three years and... You just mentioned Sprint Ray Pro. I'm sure you're fairly agnostic. Um, There's a good touch point that you're having um, yeah. course. That would, tell, tell us about the printer party. Yeah, 3D printing party. Um, I uh, kind of just traced my own journey to 3D printing. There's so many printers on the market. And although, you know, the price point is a lot less than a lot of things in dentistry. You know, a Cirac machine is 140 grand. A cone beam could be anywhere between 85 and 150 grand. Printers are usually sub $10,000, sub $15,000, but still, you know, you buy a dud of a printer, it sucks. So um, I tried a bunch of printers from El Cheapo, Amazon, $475 printers, all the way up to $20,000 printers. And I wanted docs and lab technicians and team members to be able to experience these without buying them. Mm-hmm. and then make a decision for themselves as Great to idea. whatever they want. So if you had to pick a budget one, given that you've had a wide, if you had to, if someone had super limited budget but wanted to dip their toe in the water, can you give a recommendation for one they could buy kind of off the shelf? Yeah, you know, um, I don't want to sound nebulous, but um, there's really kind of two faves that I have. 
right now. Um, if you are not interested in die work or implant analog models, then it's a no-brainer to Sprint Ray Pro. It's uh, 6750 bucks. It's a fast printer. It's got a big build plate, meaning you can print a bunch of models at once. Mm. Uh, super user-friendly software. Um, one problem with 3D printing is you have an iOS scanner. So let's say you have an iTero. Um, when you're scanning in the mouth, you're really just taking a shell of the patient's jaw. And you have to put a base on that shell. Um, most softwares, you have to buy ExoCAD or use a free software called MeshMixer, which is really tough to use. Mm -hmm. uh, the Sprint Ray Pro actually does it for you automatically. Oh, cool. So you import the models into the software, it puts a base on it for you, and boom, you print. Um, the Sprint Ray Pro software, you're saying, right? Sprint Ray Pro. Okay. The, and that works, though. August, it works. It's agnostic. It can work with uh, uh, Cerex, uh, Omnicam, yeah. or iTero. Or, okay, cool. Yeah, the, the universal 3D file format is called STL. And STL doesn't matter where you get it. You can cool. use a desktop scanner or whatever. I think the, that's the only agnostic part of dentistry, by the way. Is yeah, Because, like, they figured out how to, like, shaft us on every single way. Everything else is oh, proprietary. Oh, that x-ray. Oh, yeah. yeah. We need a whole I, uh, I do a lot of software. volunteering at a clinic associated with, with a homeless shelter in Phoenix. Oh, I saw that. Use, I want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we use Cirac. We use 3Shape. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten into different steps and had to take off and fly back to L.A., and I'm like, oh, yeah, just send me the STL files. And then you can't because they're trapped in a native format until you reach a certain step. And so I just wish everyone would just export to STL or a file format, which is better, um, called OBJ, which integrates color with the actual model. Ah. Oh, yeah. cool. I never even heard of that. And that's still kind of an open source, like nothing proprietary yeah. about OBJ. Okay. Yeah, OBJ is, um, if you're familiar with some of the face scanners out there, especially the free iPhone app, Bellus 3D, uh, which you can literally take a 3D face scan of your patients. Let's say you're doing some anterior work on them and you want the midline and interpupillary line, and campers plane and all that good stuff. Um, you can literally just whip out your iPhone um, they can take a 3D scan of their face and then send that as an OBJ file, which can be incorporated into 3Shape or ExoCAD or um, any of the other big labs. That Bellis is pretty cool, even just from a, a WoW just, marketing perspective. How do you spell it, guys? B-E-L-L-U-S. You know, it's right. funny. We talk about open source and, and some file formats. Like, I will not actually buy a product. If, if someone comes by to, to, to rep a new product and I find that it's proprietary format, like that's mm -hmm. a non-starter for me in this day and age. Yeah. Like you just can't. And, and it's funny how that was, that was okay. In dentistry, you know, um, for so long, it was just like, no, this yeah. is our, this is our format and this is our walled garden. And now it's just like, it's just not the way the world works. I'm like, sorry, can't, can't use your product if you're not going to open source it. And, you know, and you're not going to hold me hostage because so many things have held me hostage in dentistry, whether oh, yeah. it's management software, which is happening right now. Oh, or, sure. You know, so it's just, I just think it's, I think it's great that, that more and more things are moving to, to a collaborative community of open source, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's been an issue with digital dentistry for a long time. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like a nanny state I hate to, to use that woke word, but um, a lot of companies say, okay, I don't even know what that is, by the way, dumb. you know, we know you're kind of dumb and we're just going to 
dumb it really down for you and not let you go open source because you can really fuck things up. So a lot of these companies will keep the file formats so you can only use it within the bounds of the software. And that's also a bit of an FDA issue. Whereas FDA, you know, when you get FDA approval for an internal scanning system, you've got to show processes. So if you start to, you know, mess around with it, um, they can't guarantee the fit once you export out of as an STL file. So, so part of it is protectionism for these companies that sell expensive machines. Part of it is to protect us from ourselves. So um, I'm a big fan of open source and uh, you know, I, I've got ExoCAD and I've got FreeShape and I've got CIRAC. And so there's definitely pluses and minuses for different systems. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true to form unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist. And it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks friends. So, you know, you you started down the uh, path of the Sprint Ray Pro as your first choice, but you said if you don't do a lot of like monologue and uh, I'm sorry, model work with analogs. Uh, yeah. So what's the limitation with the Sprint Ray Pro and then what's the next choice from that? Yeah. So one area of BS in 3D printing is resolution. So when I talk to you and say, hey, what's the resolution of your comb beam? Then you'll give me the voxel size, right? You'll say you know, I can see down to a hundred microns. That's the resolution. And if I ask you, hey, uh, you've got a CIRAC scanner, what's the resolution of the scan? You'll say like, you know, 60 to 80 microns is the resolution of the scan. In the world of 3D printing, the word resolution uh, is kind of a big heaping steaming pile of BS because resolution um, only refers to how thick the layers are printed on the printer. And so even the cheapest $129 toy making printer on Amazon has a resolution of 20 microns. So when I tell you, hey, um, you know, I got a printer to sell you and it's resolution, 20 microns. You're going to go, yeah, you know, that's awesome. 20 microns, really small. No. So the real word, it's a different word. It's called precision. So precision is 3D printing's resolution. And uh, precision means how small can you print? And so the Sprint Ray Pro has a uh, precision of 95 microns, which is, in my opinion, um, not good enough for analog models and die work. The trilobe or the anti-rotational feature of an analog is really, really small and precise. And so if you can't print that, then the analogs don't uh -huh. fit. That's you know, interesting. Cool. Yeah. And you can print dyes on a form too, which has a you know resolution or precision of 140 microns. But we have a lot of dye spacer to help us. Whereas when you're printing, you know, analog models, there's not a lot of dye spacer. And so there's not a lot of slop. So my second favorite, or not second favorite printer, just another favorite printer is the Asica Max UV. So they have two models. They have an LC, uh, LED, LCD, LED, I don't know, um, and a UV. 
And so UV is just a curing light like you and I have in our ops. Um, that's a little hardier than the LCD. And so, so I- Precision, August, I'm gonna stop you for a second just so I understand. Is it the higher the, the, higher the number? Or the, is it Obviously I understand- The lower the number. The lower the number. The lower yeah, the number of precision, the better? Yeah, so precision is just a stupid fancy marketing term for what we call resolution. And so if you have a desktop scanner that has a resolution or precision of 10 microns versus a desktop scanner that has 100 microns, the 10 micron is better. So smaller is better when it comes to precision or resolution. Yes, That's crazy because in printers, it's lit, you know, it used to be like a DPI thing. You'd be like, oh, 1600 DPI or yeah, dots yeah. per inch, right? So I'm, 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 I'm trying to flip my, uh, my yeah, the way I think 3D, about it. You're in 2D. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's basically the corner of the anti-rotational element. Correct me if I'm speaking out of time. Yeah. Oh, the corner can't be milled to, per, to precise 90 to get the anti-rotation. It only has a precision yeah. of 90 microns, so it's rounded or obtuse. Yeah. And then you can't get the anti-rotational feature of it. So one drawback of these higher precision printers is that their build plates are typically smaller. Now there's other printers out there, um, the Envision Tech One, which actually has a really good resolution, a large build plate. Um, and so there's different different printers out there. But if you just had me narrow the two down to the two printers, it would be. Sprint Ray Pro and the Asiga Max UV. And what's the precision of the Asiga Max? I believe it's 60 microns. Okay, so there we're getting yeah. to the anti you can capture the anti rotational element. Yeah, point, right? really well. Yeah, I can print and feel really confident. One thing, um, do you have CIRAC or do you? Uh, okay, so, so one thing that's cool about CIRAC when it comes to milling uh, a porcelain framework uh, to be cemented to a tie base is that hole for the tie base is pre-milled. And so you can feel really good about sticking that tie base in, cementing it, and it not having any give. When you get into zirconia and non-pre-milled holes, um, sometimes they're a little sloppy. Um, and it really depends on a lot of factors with the sintering and also the lab. So, you know, one thing that's nice about having an implant analog model is I can cement it based on the contact and the occlusion. So, you know, if I'm kind of off, um, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if I put a tie base in a crown and I cement it this way, I'm hosed. So having that analog model is nice. And then a SIG actually has a rubber gingival mask material that you can print as well. So cool. you can get gingival mask, you can get the model. It has like a little, you know, clackety articulator it's not like a real so if i say articulator there's gonna be some panky guy going oh <laughs> you know no it's it's a hinge but there's actually a hinge that you can use with it so it's pretty cool hey i got a question for you um sure. um i've seen a lot of lab techs um like on social media and stuff like that they're using they're not using the tie base for me is it, it feels as though the tie bases that i'm seeing were not designed with a dentist anywhere near them, like yeah. for any input, like it was designed by like some scientific guys that had no dental input because you yeah. get little tiny three millimeter tall tie base that's cemented sure. to a 10 millimeter crown. Now yeah. what I've seen a lot of lab techs do is they're using like the temporary impression or the, uh, mm -hmm. the temporary impression coping, which they can yeah. kind of hand sculpt up to seven, eight millimeters, 10 sure. millimeters and cementing it to that. Yeah. Why is it that the manufacturers, I, I'm presuming you're fairly well tight with them. Why is yeah. it that they're not, moving to those tie bases that are modifiable and 
I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. There's companies out there like True Abutment um, that actually make variable height cuffs. Um, and then there's different Thai-based companies like um, Desk and um, NP Trading that actually make taller Thai bases. Um, the Serona tie bases that we're used to using are, for lack of a better word, terrible. Um, yeah, it's so unfortunate. I didn't want to say that. It's, just, it's super yeah. unfortunate how they work. Yeah, and and you know if you have any bone, you know uneven bone around your implant, a lot of times you can't see them because there's no way of getting the restoration up above the implant platform. So you're just pretty much half a millimeter down onto the implant platform. So I'm hoping uh, Serono will figure that out and get something else. But I've been really happy with True Above and Indes. So they're, you know, really reasonably priced and they have different options for it. Where does um, Carbon 3D fit into this whole equation? Because I know they're making big plays in dentistry and a buddy of mine um, yeah. runs their dental division. So where, where, where are you at with them? Have you... Well, Carbon's been great. So Carbon donated to the homeless shelter a Carbon printer. And if you're familiar with the pricing structure of Carbon, it's god-awful. It's like 50 grand a year um, for... It's a subscription, yeah. Years, and they take it back. So it's, well, it's like a Tesla. It, it updates yeah. all the time, they told me, though. Yeah. So, so for the average GP like myself, buying a Carbon probably isn't cost-effective. But big labs uh, use them highly precise, super crazy fast printer. It uses a technology called continuous liquid interface production or CLIP. Um, basically, if you watch a 3D printer, it's basically a little battle. So you've got the build plate comes and it comes down into the resin bath and there's a membrane at the bottom of the uh, resin bath and a UV light underneath it. And every layer has to be actually peeled off that membrane. And once it's lifted off the membrane, the build plate has to wait for uh, resin to flow down into it and create another layer. Hmm. So um, we have the air inhibited layer in dentistry, which is our nemesis. Um, so we know that when we cure composite, the outer layer, because of oxygen, doesn't get cured. So what carbon has done is it'll actually pump oxygen into the resin vat. And so what happens is you don't have that peeling step. So stuff just kind of grows out of the base of the resin bath. Continuously. So, yeah, it's super fast. So mm. dental model, I believe in about 15, 20 minutes. So it's a, a pretty, really fast printer. It's a very accurate printer too. Um, I know uh, one issue we've been having um, at the homeless shelter is we've been wanting to print hybrids. So if you send a hybrid to a lab, a PMMA hybrid will probably cost you about $1,500, right? So you want a temporary hybrid just to judge, you know, the patient's vertical, their midline, aesthetics, shape and teeth, all that good stuff before you go to your zirconia final. Uh, we probably did 25 arches and 25 broke. <laughs> so they all broke. And so the, the issue is not a 3D printed hybrid. It's a resin issue. Yeah, because in essence, all 3D printing is, is Luxatem. You're just printing in Luxatem. So it's a uh, light cured composite. And interesting. Yeah, so, so it's an interesting world. So we're, we have the, definitely have the technology, the price of the technology is coming down. It's just, we're kind of held up by the resins. 
and how strong the resins are. I got a video, by the way, of a 3D printed denture in some form of newer resin. And the mm. video was sent to me and it was... I sent it to you. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah and it they was, ran over it with a car? Yeah, they ran over the car. And I, I don't think I'm at liberty to talk about too much about the video and all that, but um, the, 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 that, that seemed to be fairly strong. Are you, are you aware of a newer material or is this? I, I know Dense Spicerona is working on a newer material and um, one material class that people are working on is called graphene or uh, the company is called Graphino. And graphene is pencil ed. Um, it's a precursor to a diamond, uh, it's coal. Um, but they figured out some way to incorporate it into 3D printed resins. Um, and actually the strength is three times stronger than zirconia. So it's, it's a printable resin and it's colored though, right? It's like a, it's a gingival color. It can be gingival color. I believe it's a tooth colored material. Uh, I haven't played with the material. I'm wondering if it's printed in graphene. Uh, that you can drive through it because, you know, if you drove over an acrylic denture, you would crush it. Oh yeah. This was literally driven over with a semi truck and the teeth are actually looted into it. So they're a special version of denture tooth that bonds to it. So the receptacle for each tooth is milled and it's a formula that's milled in and glued in. Like a puzzle piece too, right? Like it was a lock and it was gluted and mechanical and micro retention is august is that sounding like the stuff that you were using out in phoenix or is this sounding like the newer stuff sounds like the newer stuff got yeah. it okay got it so maybe we're talking about some bleeding edge stuff here that- yeah yeah definitely definitely i have some like cia van outside uh, my house looking in what are you guys talking about the exactly. cool thing dental is dental CIA exactly it's a bunch of guys like with uh dental explorers and mic and wearing loops if go if there's guys wearing black suits wearing uh other uh, magnifying lenses or the loops you gotta watch out yep. august can, can not very funny this early in the morning sorry guys it's it, you know all craig talked about is how funny you are coming on to this podcast. The alcohol um, yeah, you're drinking a freaking beer august that was crazy yeah. i was so shocked it stunned I, you yeah, had it's, gotten done with like seven stage performance uh, lectures rather and you had a beer i'm like wow this is awesome when in rome yeah <laughs> exactly it was also they, they frown upon beer before seeing patients, uh, you know, in the dental world. So I can yeah. do that in the lecture circuit, but not. Uh, yeah, well, you were in Vegas. It was five o'clock, and you were done. Yeah, it's beer time. Yep. August, can I talk about? I see on your website how you're kind of advertising, um, you know, same day dentistry, and I want to talk about how how you know your quest and your journey t- through you know the digital space, obviously beyond Sarac, which. Obviously, the same day dentistry, yeah. but how has this helped augment your position in a very crowded market space of, yeah. of LA? Yeah. So um, one thing that I've done through videos and social media is put out a bunch of digital dentistry, and it's interesting. We've been getting a lot of new patients who are techie people, so they're mm-hmm. either in the sci-fi industry or the gaming industry. That have, I've literally had some guy. Say, oh yeah, I watched your ExoCAD video. I'm like, how do you know about ExoCAD? Wow. So, um, and so, yeah, they've they've uh, have had some patients come in specifically for same day dentistry. And you know, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it's like you know, you see patients in your practice, and you let's say get sick. So I go see the dermatologist, and I go to the dermatologist, and he's like, oh well, you know, you've got this skin condition, and I need to send you to this other person. So I'm like, okay, fine. And so I wait a month and a half. Uh, the physician 
forgot about my appointment. And so then I had to wait another month and a half to see this physician who basically didn't do anything. So one thing that we've always did, even before digital, is that if we have a patient come in, we're drilling on them. You know, whether it's a root canal or it's a filling, you know, we block enough time. I know I can work. I've got three ops I can work out of. I can do something on that patient. Hmm. And so when a patient breaks a tooth, they know that they can come to my office and they'll walk out with the final restoration. And so they won't have to come back and take another day off of work or get a sitter or if you're a teacher, get a sub. So for me, same day dentistry has been, you know, a big part of my practice. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, probably about, I'd say about 75% of what I do is digital. And, you know, sometimes we have to take impressions for things. And uh, it's funny when my staff, they get all kind of pissy about it because, you know, oh, temporary and, you know, all this kind of get out of guns and stuff. So, so it's, it, it's less about the patient to me not pissing off my staff when I decide to go digital versus analog. And obviously you saw, a, a, you know, there's a cost savings benefit to doing that. I mean, I've, I've had to calculate kind of a PVS, you know, cause we have both or I'd say we're in a hybrid state where we're, some of my docs still highly prefer, you know, the warm and fuzzy comfort of an impression, you know, yep. that's the way they were, you know, bred and trained. And, uh-huh. and some of the others are kind of going more digital. And so right. I've done a cost analysis of just looking at it from all aspects. And uh, it's crazy. The cost savings at scale. Um, yeah. when you start eliminating PVS and, you know, impression copings, like you're saying, and, uh, or I'm sorry, analogs and copings and all this stuff. Um, when you can start eliminating stuff, not to mention the increase in workflow of, yeah. of just the timeline. But yeah. I mean, without, if you're scanning, sorry to interrupt August, but if you're scanning and not milling, you're really only getting, I mean, there's a halo effect of, of having the cool scan in your mouth, but I really believe the modern dental practice has to have some form of digital milling dentist, same day dentistry aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, am just a big believer that, you know, the scan is, is a third of it. You know, but, there's a halo effect. No one wants to choke on the impression, but, but if you can actually, there's people that are at dinner tables and their temporary falls out and there's someone yeah. else there saying, why the fuck are you wearing a temporary? Like my, your guy doesn't have yeah. that. August, yeah. do you see, before you comment on that, Craig, because I want to, I want to, do you see the the uh, the milling actually being displaced by printing of permanent restorations? You know, I wish, um, and that's kind of a sexy thing for some lecturers to say that we'll get rid of milling. I don't think we ever will. Really, um, printing works well for what it does, unless this graphene material is the real deal. Three um, D printed resins are ugly. Um, if you've seen a 3D printed denture versus a process denture or denture done by a really good lab tech, it's pretty ugly. Um, the materials are very opaque, so the temporary materials have really no translucency at all. Yeah, um, but so are the first zirconias too, right? Yeah, like, remember that? True. So there's, yeah, yeah. there's evolution in the space that will, that will materials. Um, but I hear you. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, we're, we're seeing um, an interesting phenomenon too because when 3D printing came out, the example of night guards, um, people were saying, well, I don't want to mill a night guard because the puck is 80 bucks. I'll just process, you know, my night guard normally. Uh, when 3D printed night guards came out, the average price was about $5 a night guard. But what people found was the 3D printed night guards, really ugly. They're kind of a pea yellow color. Um, and so they're also made out of flowable composite. So in essence, they last couple months. So I'm not a big fan of that. But what in response, 
um, PMMA or acrylic pucks for milling machines have really dropped down in price. I mean, you can go on eBay and find pucks for five bucks each. So now the cost to mill a PMMA night guard is the same as a really bad, you know, you know, 3D printed. So I don't think we're going to see that. Um, milled materials are hard. They have beautiful translucency. You know, the newer, you know, super high translucency zirconias like Katana. Um, it's incredible how those zirconias have evolved, man. It's crazy. The monolithic thing. This material is getting cheaper and cheaper. When we were at the IDS, we were blown away by, you know, the cost per restoration was approaching, you know, two or three bucks. You know, Jeez. it's it's pretty amazing. Is that an all-in thing, given the wear and tear machine? You know? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, no. you're probably looking at about five five bucks a restoration. Okay. But uh, and also, it's the um, economy of scale with the puck versus the block. Mm-hmm. So if you're used to Cirac, you're used to milling blocks on a four-axis mill, whereas these other mills, which are really reasonably priced, you can get a rolling mill. They can mill pucks for about $23,000. And then, so once you, you know, can buy a puck of zirconia for, let's say, you know, 80 bucks to a hundred bucks and you can stick 20 crowns into it, that's where things really kind of happen. You know, and the nice thing about pucks too is with Cirac, you've got to kind of jerry-rig it unless you have um, a cam software for Cirac to mill multiple restorations per block. Whereas with pucks, the software, the milling software, the cam software, remembers where you stuck a crown before. And so when you load that puck back in, it knows, okay, I've got a spot over here where I can mill something. Uh, so there's just, less waste. Just a quick question. You're saying Serec, but you're talking about like the lab, the MCXLs or whatever. You're not talking about the MX5, are you? I'm, not, I'm talking about milling in general. So okay, so even the MX5, the big boy, doesn't have that cam software? Oh, the big boy does. Yeah, yeah, it has a cam software. Do you have any of those mills, those zirconia mills in your office? I don't. I've got a traditional, I've got something called a practice lab, which is uh, an MCXL with an extra set of burrs on it. Yeah, I have one of those too. That. Yeah, I don't have that MCX5. But that how, how much are those, by the way, those MCX5s? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think they're like 45 or 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're a lot. Yeah. yeah, but my zirconia substructures, we have an in-office lab, my zirconia substructure bills are getting up to like 50 G's a year and I don't have oh, wow. a mill. So it's right. like, duh, I got to get one. It's a good, good problem to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but not really. Cause if it's a pro- yeah, it's still costing yeah. us more money than should, but yeah. Yeah. Hybrids are expensive. So we're finding even with using designers and labs that have donated their services to it, you know, it's, it's pricey. I mean, I think that a reasonably priced, PMMA and zirconia will probably cost you about six grand in arch. So with tie bases and all that. Really? Jazz. How do you figure? How well, do you he's figure? saying the PMMA temp and then the. And uh, then the I know. Okay. Like break that down for me though, because I, sure. I got a way different math on that. Okay. No, I mean, um, when you let's, let's take digital out of the question uh, because digital in hybrids is an area of controversy, which I'm trying to, to learn more about. Um, let, let's talk about taking impression and doing a corrective. Sure, path. sure, sure. So, you know, in my opinion, or what I've been charged in the past, you take an impression, they do the looted jigs, that step costs about 1200 bucks. And then you go from 
that to a PMMA provisional. So acrylic with gums on it and tie bases inside the provisional. So that's about $1,500. And so right now we're at about three grand. Got it. I see. So the final zirconia, usually about three grand. So that's kind of what my lab charges me. Yeah. I'm losing like a Glidewell comparison, like for, cause oh. what, what we have is like in our office, we have our a la, a acrylic lab tech. So for maybe 600 bucks, we can do the setup and the jig and the parts, and then we get it all perfect. And then at a lab like Glidewell, and I'm not here to plug Glidewell in any manner, but the, the artisanal work has been done by this awesome acrylic guy who we have, mm-hmm. Carlos. He, they don't make Carlos's anymore. You yeah. know, he's just amazing. The Baby Carlos. I'm sorry? Baby Carlos, like on the, uh, um, the hangover. No, no. Baby in the front <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Was him. He so, grew up. Yeah, yeah he, he grew up. up and now he works at Glidewell. We hired him. Yeah. No, now he works at Glidewell. Yeah, so. uh, strange, stranger anxiety, stranger danger when he uh, goes <laughs> to Vegas. So he gets that all, all that artisanal stuff done. And then we send that off to, you know, a lab like Glidewell. I think it's like 200 bucks. They'll make us a PMMA. Then uh-huh. let the patient wear that for two to four weeks, make sure it's all perfect. And then they copy mill it. Don't quote me, like maybe two grand. But the part oh, cool. that I don't really understand maybe is all the parts that go into it. But um, for me, you know, we were doing, um, we did a lot of Nobel. So we were doing Nobel bars and then putting the acrylic on top. And even though it costs more to do the zirconia, it is such a higher efficient process for me. Sure. To literally go from acrylic and not have to ghost it onto the bar and the blah, blah, blah. It was just, yeah. I'd rather do a full ceramic. It's actually less workflow for me. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of labs are finding that too. I mean, there's so many different materials with metal bars with acrylic overlays. Then there's peak and pecton and all the trilor now we're doing some polymers. Yeah. We're doing yeah. some trilor now and nanostron if we've done in one. Um, yeah. But, but you know, zirconia is easy. It's, it's monolithic. There's different types of porcelains you can layer on it, like Neo composites, which look just like foldable composites. So it's a, it's, a good economic and strong material. So there's def- definitely nothing wrong with it. And it, how's the like workflow, how's the workflow using like a full Serona workflow for hybrids? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm working on it. Um, right now we've tried full trios workflows. So just from start to finish, just trios. And we found the fit to be okay. So sometimes they drop down totally passive, totally perfect. Sometimes it's like, is this the same patient? Um, so we've been combining trios with uh, something called the iMetric 4D scanner. You may have seen that or PIC. Uh, oh, yeah, the PIC scanner for sure. Scanner. It's an extra oral scan using these things that look like dominoes. Yeah, I've seen it. It's crazy. If you combine that with any iOS, so it doesn't matter if it's Syrac or Trios or whatever, um, we're finding the fit to be totally passive and really awesome. So we're doing two appointment um, deliveries. So we're delivering PMMA um, just because I don't trust it. Um, But as I trust it more, we should be able to do scan, go straight to Zirconia final and two appointments. It's crazy. And and then you basically don't need the thing like the face hunters and all that stuff yeah. because the pic scan would fuse the STL with the facial OBJ file, correct? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we use Bellus. So the okay. Bellus 3D scan and all that is actually merged in ExoCAD. So um, by combining the face scan data with, you know, what you get from 
trios or CIRAC on the soft tissue side and the implant position from PIC or iMetric 4D, that is all combined in ExoCAD. And so then you have a complete patient. So, yeah, so I had one more question. Maybe I asked the wrong question. So when I said it's full digital workflow, how is Serona and CIRAC, um, how, how is their workflow after you have a um, verified analog model? So at that point, like you've taken an impression, it's been verified. How's that workflow? Well, I mean, from that workflow, you would then just give the model to your lab and your lab would scan it in, in lab with an extra oral scanner. So how they've been doing it forever. What we're trying to do at Brighterway, this clinic associated with the homeless shelter, is, you know, we borrowed a prime scan from Shine and we're scanning these patients. So I've got three patients scanned and we want to see if we can bypass the iMetric or the PIC. Yeah, Dan Northwick's doing it too. He did like 10 arches the other week. I heard it's yeah. good. I heard that prime scan has the uh, precision or the resolution. It, yeah, the, the, the real key will be screwing that baby on and seeing if it fits. So, you know, again, you know, we did our first couple of cases with trios without iMetric. It's like, dude, these are just going down. These are awesome. And then after that, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, nothing's fitting. You know, so it's, uh, um, it's definitely something that's, fascinating to me because in my office i'm i'm a garden variety gp so i don't do a lot of full mouth implant cases i mean people in Encino are pretty rich and they have teeth so for me i get to play in this other location and scan and try to figure all that stuff out so that when that lone zirconia hybrid patient rolls into my office then i can nail it that's cool so that bright awake clinic is that affiliated in some way with um clear choice in some fashion yeah. Yeah, so uh, Joe Moranifar, he's the, the doctor there that teaches. He teaches a lot of DSO surgery. Okay. So clear choice. I think he's, um, there's one called DDS, which is another DSO that he works with. Um, and he works with some other DSOs. And what they'll just do is send their docs to Riderway for four days. And he teaches them sinus lifts all in four basic implant, uh, implant surgery. And so some homeless guy with terrible teeth rolls in, he walks out with the movie star smile like a week later. Yeah. Did they, get, did they get final prosthesis or just the they get a converted? No, they get a converted denture. And oh. so, um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's been working out great. You know, we work a lot with the vets, so I don't know what relationship they have with the veteran hospital, but a lot of vets come to us. And uh, my job there is to, to do a, a hands-on live patient, all digital implant surgery and implant restorative and so that's cool. what we're working on there very cool all right guys well i hate to cut you off but i gotta drive to in la traffic to see oh the 405 you don't have to get on the 405 do you i do as a matter of fact oh geez uh, yeah so enjoy your two-hour commute to work but listen okay. we really appreciate having you here there's a wealth of knowledge incredible actually and just to um so when is that um printer party gonna be well, there's a 3D printing party in December in Minnesota, and that's just 3D printing. Um, I don't have the date on me, but it's the second weekend in December. And then uh, November 7th through 9th is the live patient uh, implant, guided implant and implant restorative course in Phoenix. Got it. So the, uh, it's Friday, December 13th at 9 a.m., the dental 3D printing party in Minnesota. We'll put all this in our show notes. Listen, we don't want to take up any more of your time. August, this was awesome right, having you. Thank you so much. All right, much. guys. Thank you. Have a take great care. one, buddy. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.